and welcome back to the Unionist Central Podcast. So this episode is going to be pretty different, really different from the rest of the stuff on this channel. It's uh, it's really stretching the definition of a podcast since I have my screen up in front of me and it is much more engaging. It's more like a video. Um, but so I've been having some, I've been having some mic trouble recently uh the mic i usually use to record these podcasts the one i've used to record all of them since the first one has bugged out on me and i need to get a replacement part and fix it and uh, it, as you know if you've watched the previous video on this channel i just started or i'm trying to work on a new series society of reason it's a series that means a lot to me it's one that i'm very excited about but I want to go into it with the best equipment so that when I look back on it, I know, hey, I'm having the best possible experience listening to this. And I, to be quite frank, I, I don't think I can do that with this mic. The reason I switched to the other one was because after I listened to the first episode, I, I knew this really isn't that great of a mic. I'm not, you can probably tell. I can't tell right now, but when I get to the editing stages, I'll be able to see. It's very, very choppy. It, it doesn't pick up on a lot. And I, I don't think it's the mic I want to use to record this culminary, this jumping off point for the entire new series. So I thought to myself, what can I do in the meantime? I could do another guest episode, but I kind of wanted to get this out and maintain somewhat of a schedule, and those take planning and time. And I thought I could do a solo episode. But I didn't want to write up a whole thing. And I had half a script for another episode. And I had the full script for the introduction episode. But I didn't want to mess around with those, you know. I thought, give them their own time. I thought, you know, it has to be something that is a solo episode. And it has to be something that I can do unscripted. And I've, re when I'm doing this podcast, I felt uncomfortable doing solo and unscripted. Uh, because I don't like carrying a one-sided conversation. I want to do it with somebody else. I think there'd be too many awkward pauses. I don't know if I, I don't know how, I don't know how confident I am in my ability to do that. And I haven't had the time to test it out. And I'm just happy with the scripted solo episodes or unscripted, um, multi-person episodes. So I don't want to jump into a topic solo yet. That's something I'll experience, experiment with. But I would be happy to do what you could see right here, which is the political compass test. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the full compass test. I'm one of those kids who likes to do those little online tests like Myers-Briggs 16 personality. I don't put too much weight into it, but I think it's a fun thing to do with friends, kind of see where you land, you know. Um, and, and I like the political compass. I'll find myself coming back to it every six months or so i have a friend who i'll usually take it with and it's a lot of fun and i actually haven't taken it in uh in quite a while so i think it would be interesting to see this actually isn't my um test of choice but i think it's a fun one to do i'll link uh down below some other tests along with this one that i think can kind of help people determine their views um well i will say before we jump into this the last thing i just like to say is that it literally says it right here. Um, their propositions to question the logic of individual ones that irritate you is to miss the point. Um, so 
some of these, in my opinion, are a little absurd. Uh, they basically come down to, do you believe in basic human rights? You'll see when we get into them. Uh, they're, they're definitely fun, but they can be a little wonky. Um, and I'd also say that overall, the test does lean pretty heavily left, left wing, uh, and a, a bit libertarian, at least the way it frames the questions. Um, you have a fair shot to land wherever, but I think it frames it in such a way. So you'll see a lot of people um, use the, the compass model, you know, which is basically, you can see it up here, we'll show it later but left wing, right wing as to where you land this axis. And then the um, uh, vertical axis would be authoritarian, libertarian. So people use that model without actually using the test because the test can be a little weird. But anyways, let's get into it. So the way this is going to work um, is that I will read off a certain question and I'll think about it and I'll give my response and I'll kind of explain that a bit. So this first one, if economic globalization is inevitable, it should primarily serve humanity rather than the interests of transnational corporations. I think this is very clearly strongly agree. Um, for me personally, I'm not really I'm not a big fan of transnational corporations. I think that they tend to promote, they, they tend to lose regulation because no one country can stand up to them and they get very sneaky about it. I, I really don't like that. I'd always support my country, whether it was right or wrong. This is one of these questions that I, I don't particularly like. The reason for that is what defines white, right or wrong. So if I thought my country was doing something that I personally see as wrong, I wouldn't support my country doing those actions. I think I'd still support my country overall. I, I'm going to give this an agree. And my justification behind that is that, um, oh, I'm sorry. I meant I, I'm going to give this one a disagree. Uh, I'm sorry. I meant I'm going to give this one a disagree. Oh, silly me. Uh, my justification behind that is that I think if I, there was something my country was doing, like some of these foreign wars, I don't think I would necessarily support my country in those actions. Like, uh, for example, the war in Afghanistan. I don't support the war in Afghanistan. Oh, now, see, this is where I go back and forth. This, this is a real tricky one. I think that, for example, like with Afghanistan, I don't support my country being there. They, they pulled out. But I, I still support my country. I, I'll, I'll leave this at disagree, but it is one that gives me some conflict just because I, I do believe you should kind of support your country, but I don't think you should toe the line. So I think you should still dissent but you should dissent within the confines of the society um, rather or country, rather, rather than trying to fight against it. That's what I'll say there. No one chooses their country of birth, so it's foolish to be proud of it. This one, I think, depends on what you define as, like, proud. Um, like, for example, you know, I'm proud to be an American. Uh, I love this country. I think it's great. Um, but it definitely has some big flaws, and it's correct. No one chooses their country of birth. You know, I, I would say, I would say again, I'd say disagree on this. I wouldn't say it's foolish to be proud of it, but I think there's a fine line between being proud, like, hey, like we have a democracy. I'm proud that we have a democracy. That's really nice. And being like, oh, 
my country good, everyone else bad. I, I think there's a fine line there. So I, I'd say disagree, but with a caveat. Again, our race, <laughs> our race has many superior qualities compared to other races. Strongly disagree. This is one of the ones where it's, it's basically asking, are you racist? Um, and I think it could be phrased a, a bit more delicately. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I'm going to go with strongly disagree with this one. I think that there are strategic situations in which this might be true. For example, when you're fighting some, like if you have a, an opposition candidate in an election, for example, you, I, I would suggest that you would say, Hey, my, my friend, if I'm closer with somebody, they can be my ally against this enemy. But this is talking on a global scale. And what I think it really means, at least in my interpretation of it, would be uh, governments. And it would be implementing governments. And this is where I, one of my biggest frustrations with American foreign policy has been this, this policy right here. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, where uh, America would look across the globe and we would see communist nations and socialist dictatorships socialist countries, whatever you want. Um, and some of them, yeah, I'll agree. They really weren't that great. I think there's a lot of examples of them being icky and not the best example of an ideal socialist state or anything like that. And the U S and they repress their people. And those countries would repress their people and the U S decided, Hey, we have to intervene. And that's a whole different topic, but they intervened and they would basically prop up a military dictatorship, like some fascists, some nationalists, just some real wacky people. And they would prop them up because at least they're not communists, you know, at least they'll give us our mining rights. And I think that that's why you see so many countries across the world. Like, for example, one of the big things in the Middle East is that when we, in the, if you look at the 60s, the 70s, although this is an overgeneralization, it was a, a haven for the libertarian left-wing ideals. Um, you see a lot of leaders like that. And then you kind of had more and more European and American interference in the place, and they kept propping up these uh, countries and governments. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, the region is so destabilized to this day. Military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. I'm going to say agree on this one. It's actually pretty interesting. Um, I would say that there are certain instances in which uh, I think international rock, law could say, you know, get it wrong. Uh, or like when we have to do something. Like, for example, I think there's instances like with Germany during World War II where the U.S., uh, I forget the name of the, um, the actual town, there was this, they basically, I, I believe they bombed it and it burned down, and I don't want to touch on the matter too much, but I, I would say that although it was very tragic what happened there, I think there might have been an argument for it. I mean, like, what brings, what brings the end of the war faster, it saves more lives, might have some justification. I still, like, killing civilians, I really don't like. It, it, it gets iffy, you know. But I do think there are certain instances in which 
it's justified. I would I would say hard caveat. I think some people take that to the extreme. Like America doesn't have to abide by international law. Like you see with the enhanced interrogation that we saw under Bush and even under Obama, although he ended that. Um, I, hopefully, uh, um, and kind of saw that, and it was America's perspective of like, oh well, we can do it because we're America. We're the good guys, and I I don't buy into that. I think that you need to adhere to the regulatory body. But I do think that sometimes the regulatory body can get stuff wrong. There is now a worrying fusion of information and entertainment. I never really understood this one too much. Uh, I'm assuming it means, I guess, uh, people kind of make jokes. Like, if anybody watches Saturday Night Live, like, Weekend Update about it. And I, I would say, I'm going to say strongly disagree here. I think that it's nice to have information be entertaining and presented in an entertaining manner. I think it helps. I guess people wouldn't get that information, get it easier. But I, I don't fully understand what this question 